Hello and welcome to the RylaCast, the official podcast of Camp Ryla, Rotary District 5810. My name's Greg Tepper. I am one of the hosts of this here podcast. The other host of the podcast is the man they call Josie, Andrew Josie Utz, who could not be here tonight. Unfortunately, Josie's not here uh, with us. I asked him, uh, you know, hey, why can't you make the podcast? And he said, I'm not at liberty to say. So uh, certainly hope it's nothing having to do with, I don't know, some sort of hostile takeover of the podcast down the road, because that would be, that would really bum me out because I like doing the podcast with Josie. Josie, please come back. This podcast is much better uh, with you uh, here doing it than uh, than me flying solo. But we will press on. We will have our own episode of the podcast. Just me and you. It's just me and you, listener. Uh, just, you know, we're in the room together. Uh, you know, radio is supposed to be the theater of the mind. And so maybe just imagine yourself, you know, cozy on a couch with a fire crackling. You know, maybe you've got a hot cup of cocoa and you're settling in to listen to some nerd talk about leadership. Yeah, something like that. This is the official podcast of Camp Rilo, District 5810, uh, Rotary District 5810. We do thank you uh, for spending a little bit of your day with us. Coming up here in just a little bit, we've got a big-time guest. We're going to be joined by our good friend, Justin O'Keefe Higgs. Justin O'Keefe Higgs, I should say, uh, who uh, might be the most interesting person I've ever met. Uh, certainly, he's um, he's a man of many talents. Uh, we'll talk about that with him and get his Rile story coming up here in just a moment. But first, let's talk about a story that's been floating around the internet, because that's what that's what this podcast is about. It's about talking about things that happened on the internet. And I want to talk about a young man. Uh, I can say young because he's younger than I am. I think he's 32. His name is Braden Wallake. Braden Wallake is his name. And uh, and look, I, I maybe you've seen this story uh, and maybe you haven't. But I'm going to get you up to speed on the ballad of Braden Wallach. You see, Braden Wallach is a 32-year-old CEO of a uh, of a company. He is the 32-year-old CEO of HyperSocial, which is a marketing agency. Um, and so he's a uh, you know got the got the corner office right. He's he's running the show. He is in the very definition of the term a leader uh, when it comes to this company, HyperSocial. Uh, so uh, it was a little bit of a surprise when a couple of days ago, he, um, you know, they they came out. They're a, a company of 17 employees, uh, so a, a small to medium company size company, uh, and and he has to make the very difficult decision to uh, lay off two of his employees. Now I um I I work with uh, I have a, a little bit of of management uh, uh you know responsibilities in my big boy job. And I can tell you that I've never had to do something like that, but it sounds terrible. Zero stars, I have to imagine. A thumbs down uh, for for laying off people, especially with a company that small. You know, I think that if it might be easier if he was, I hate to say it, but he might be easier if he was like the the head of Amazon, right? Where it's just like, oh, you're just laying off people. There's kind of numbers on a spreadsheet. I think with a company that small, with 17 employees, you're laying off two of them. I mean, that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty heavy. Uh, and so, you know, he he has to make that very difficult decision uh, to lay these people off uh, there at his company, HyperSocial. Uh, and and then look, that's that's not an easy thing to do and I don't want to be tone deaf to, to what he was going through because certainly that's uh, that's pretty tough it's pretty tough for everybody involved uh, but he made the reason he's in the news and the reason you're hearing about it right now or perhaps you heard about it before I started talking about it 
is because uh, of what he posted on social media. You see, Braden Wallach decided to go out there and post a uh, a statement on LinkedIn. Okay, LinkedIn. If uh, for all the young people in the audience, LinkedIn is like um, it's like career Facebook. You know, it's like it's like uh, you know, basically you put your resume up there. It's it's a way to apply for jobs, things like that. It's it's a social media uh, platform for olds. Is basically what it is, and uh, and for people who are looking for jobs, and so he decides to go. Braden Wallach decides to go on his LinkedIn, and he likes to, and he wanted to uh, to say uh, about the tough day that that his company had about going and, and laying off two of his employees, uh, and and with the statement that he made, he decided to put out uh, a selfie, selfie, uh, and and the selfie that he took. Is of him uh, with 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 tears streaking down his face. Uh, Braden Wallach posted a crying selfie of himself after laying off two of his employees at his small company, and this has been roundly roasted on the internet, and um and and rightfully not rightfully so, but understandably so because this is the internet and the internet is vicious. Uh, and and basically they they grabbed hold of it and and memed him and turned him into uh, some sort of symbol uh, that he wasn't necessarily going for. And and really, I think that what he was going for, and I'm going to give this the most generous reading of the, of the situation, the most generous reading is that he was going for something about emotional transparency. Uh, I think he wanted to, to, to say how much that this impacted him, how tough it was for him as a guy who was the head of the company, as a leader, uh, as tough as it was uh, for him. Um, I think the intent was to show vulnerability and I think it was maybe even to show remorse and just show, you know, this, you know, this sucks, but it had to be done. Like, I hate that this had to happen, but this, this had to happen. Uh, you know, this isn't, you know, an important part of, you know, unfortunately the, the life cycle of our company. And that's what he was going for. But, uh, I can't help but think, and I don't think I'm alone in this. I can't help but think that while I think vulnerability as a leader is an important aspect, and I think that it's 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 good to to be vulnerable to, to people that that are are in your group. Um, I can't help but feel like that was pretty self serving. Uh, and I guess my question is is with a situation like that, being vulnerable and being um, you know transparent, emotional tra- emotionally transparent to your your employees or to the the people you're leading can be a good thing. But but ask yourself. And I, I would encourage Mr. Wallach to, to do this. Uh, ask yourself why you're doing it. Are you doing it because you genuinely want to show that emotional transparency? Uh, you genuinely want to be authentic. Um, you want to say, hey, listen, this is this is what I was I was, you know, I, I want you to, to, to think, you know, I want you to, to, to know that this was very tough. Um, or are you showing emotional transparency uh, essentially to to kind of brand yourself? You know what I mean? To essentially like turn it into self-aggrandizing online content. Is that what you're going for? And, and that, that to me is two very different things. I think, I think, you know, look, I've, I've, I, as I mentioned, I have some um, leadership responsibilities in my job and, and I think I've been pretty um, emotionally um, transparent with my colleagues. Uh, we're a small company. And so I think they know a lot about me. Um, and, and I don't mind being emotionally transparent. I don't mind, you know, showing a little bit of, um, you know, showing a little bit of, of, of that vulnerability, but it has to be authentic. 
it has to be real. And I think that the reason that Braden Wallach uh, is is catching all sorts of flack is because it doesn't feel real. It feels like, look at me, look how hard this, look how hard this job as CEO is. Because in a lot of ways, being a leader is 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 a choice. It can be a choice, especially in the professional world. Being a leader is a choice, uh, but being laid off is not. And so I think the idea of look how hard this was for me kind of overshadows the look of look how hard this was for the two people who just lost their jobs. Um, and I think that, that maybe it struck the wrong chord. Uh, you know, if you wanted to, I think for example, and we're just spitballing here, Mr. Wall, like I know you're listening. Um, I think it would have served a better purpose if you would have shown a photo maybe of the past of him with the two employees that he had to lay off and maybe something about how difficult it was it is to lose friends like that to lose colleagues like that um i think that would have resonated a little bit a little bit better in that it was making it more about them uh the actual i don't want to use the word victim that's that's pretty harsh but the actual kind of people on the business end of this business decision um that might have been a little bit better and so and so look i think that i think that authenticity can go a long way I think authenticity can can be a a, a positive, a really positive thing, and especially you know if you're trying to show empathy, if you're trying to be vulnerable, if you're trying to uh, you know be emotionally transparent, I think that can be a good thing. But I think that what really matters here is intent. What really matters because I think people are going to be able to sniff that out. And and so why are you doing that? Are you doing that for out of genuine uh, empathy? Are you doing that out of genuine you know uh, feeling for for the people around you, or are you doing it for yourself for some self aggrand aggrandizing uh, reasons, some some online content, so to speak. Anyway, I read that and I thought that was interesting. Don't you think, Josie? Jo- Josie? Yeah, he's not here, but I miss him. All right, enough of me babbling on. We've got a big time guest here on this week's RylaCast. We're going to be joined by Justin O'Keefe Higgs coming up here after the break on the RylaCast. I think people know my, my story with Ryla is that I took some time away before um, uh, coming back to Ryla. And so one of the one of the nice benefits of that is that I kind of get to add to my Ryla family every time I get back involved because it's like there's more people coming. Uh, and, and one of those guys is uh, is a, a gentleman that I met at camp for the first time this this past summer. And uh, and I'm convinced he's among the most interesting people I've ever met. We're pleased to be joined on the RylaCast this week by Justin O'Keefe Higgs. Justin, what is up, my man? Hey, Greg, how are you? I'm excellent. Thanks for thanks for taking some time with us. Uh, I asked you this in the uh, before we started recording, but let's just pretend that I didn't. Uh, where are you these days? Because your Instagram says that you're all over the place. Yeah, uh, I live in Fort Worth, but I travel pretty regularly up to New York and probably going on over to LA and a few other places soon. Okay, so so let's start with this because I think this is a, a much more uh, a much more interesting question than uh, than it would be for a lot of people. But uh, what is it exactly that you do? <laughs> the million dollar question with me. Gosh. <laughs> um, so when people ask me that, I always tell them the typical attorney response: "It depends." So um, to lead off, I am a Texas licensed attorney also hold my master's in human resource development, and I have served as HR director, HR business partner, HR consultant. And then I am also an award-winning and published artist, photographer, stylist, designer, body painter, um, costume fabricator, whatever I want to do, I will figure it out and teach myself how to, fi- how to do it. 
I, I, I don't want to tell you how to run your career, but I would get business cards that just say Renaissance man. Yeah, <laughs> definitely that. <laughs> it feels like you do a little bit of everything. So, so I want to, I want to start kind of at, at the beginning, you know, with, with your, your Ryla journey. We kind of ask this question for everybody we have on. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about your, your Ryla story and, and how you came to be involved with the program? Gosh, yeah. So back in 2002, um, I went to a small Christian school called Metropolitan Christian School that was in Pleasant Grove in Dallas. So I was um, selected by the Pleasant Grove Rotary Club to attend RILA. And coming from a very small school where um, you're talking my high school, we probably had 60 kids there. My class, we had a class of 11. So um, me going to Rila was very big because my mom um, wanted to make sure that we were safe and we grew up in a very, I would say, sheltered environment. So mm-hmm. me going to Rila was actually the first time I was away from home. I had never been away from home before without being with my mom or family. So it mm-hmm. was a very interesting experience for me. So um, that was the last year we were up at Bridgeport. So um, got driven up to Bridgeport, um, terrified. <laughs> I mean, terrified. <laughs> and I remember pulling up and I see these crazy people just screaming and yelling and jumping. I'm like, what is happening? I have no idea what's going on. And I got pulled out of the car and the rest is history, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I feel like that's a, everybody could tell their story in that way. Like yeah. everybody has interesting <laughs> like intros and then it's like, and then it happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, one thing I'm, I'm interested in, like when you, when you got there and, and, and you were going through camp, was it a situation where did, did the, did the Ryleth magic click immediately did it click while you were there because we hear from people all the time it's like ah you know it wasn't until i got home that it really like all settled in for you when did when did it all kind of kind of click in for you i would definitely say it happened at camp Mm -hmm. um the thing you know that we always say at ryler step out of your comfort zone from day one they were constantly telling me that and then i realized you know what i actually have something to contribute here like we're all different. I remember all the guys in my cabin. I was like, how am I paired with these these people? Like we have nothing really in common. And then to see, you know, five, six days later, how close we are. And even, gosh, 20 years later, I still talk to a lot of my cabin mates. So I would say definitely it happened at camp because I got to see the change, not only in myself, but also in the other campers that were there. You are, um, you, you go on from, from camp and, and, and you pursue the, the law degree. Um, you know, it's obvious, you know, you've got your JD from, from Texas Southern. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in, you know, that path that is a really, you know, nobody is just like, I think I'll go to law school. That seems fun. <laughs> um, yeah. how did, when did you know that that was what you wanted to pursue? Uh, and was that just a, a pathway, a natural pathway to body painting? Um, I will say I definitely knew I wanted to be an attorney back in, I would say sixth grade. Mm. So I knew I wanted to help people, but I did not know how, um, I felt there was a need for people like me in the field especially being a black man in the South. And Mm -hmm. if you don't know, um, one of the statistics actually came out the other day of all the attorneys in the United States, only 4% are black. So I did not realize that, you know, I'm a part of this 
almost elite club of 4%. And then if you look at the other side of it, for me, where it goes into the body painting and the artist, only 1% of our artists who are in a um, art gallery or shown in an art gallery are, 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 are black. And I'm mm. a part of that also. So it's something that I always knew I wanted to help people not only to tell my story, but to help tell their story also. Because not always do people have an, um, the skill set or the knowledge, also just someone just to speak for them. So I wanted to be that voice for all those people. So I'm interested in 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 your um, let's let's we'll start with the law part of it first. I'm yeah. interested in in how you use the stuff that you took at camp and took from the Ryla program and how you use that in your in your career at, at, in law. Gotcha. Well, first of all, it taught me to even go to law school. Mm-hmm. Um, after I graduated, I went to college in East Texas. So I was still in a very small, homogenous community. And when I got into law school at Texas Southern, I, you know, it's in Houston, which is now the most diverse city in the nation and the fourth largest city in the nation. So I'm going from like, you know, uh, Tyler, Texas, where you have like a handful, like a a few thousand people, you know, 50,000 people plus to millions of people. I was terrified yet again, but going through Ryla taught me yet again, step out of your comfort zone because you need to see what you're made of. You actually can do these things if you just trust yourself and stop being comfortable. So I went to law school. Um, it, w- it was tough. I will say that. I tell people this to this day. If you are not passionate about the law, don't do it because mm-hmm. you it, it, it is an experience that only people who have gone to law school can really share in. So after doing that, um, you know, graduating, studying for the bar for three months, you know, not talking to anyone, literally 24-7 studying, took my three-day test and ended up passing the first time. And then I started working. So then um, when I got into my career, same thing, step out of your comfort zone, Justin. So I'm taking different jobs, different places. What type of law do I want to practice? What type of things do I want to do? What type of people do I want to help? And then also, uh, how do I even pay my bills? Because some of the great stuff that you want to do representing these people, pro bono, things like that, but I still have to make sure that I can eat and pay back these student loans. So it's a big balancing act trying to figure out who you are, what you want to do, and also what is the legacy you want to leave and the mission that you're on. Yeah, it's, that's that's really interesting and, and, and certainly like a, a lesson in, I don't want to say like, like doing things, doing things for the reason that, that is, is, is actually important. Cause I, I can imagine, you know, like the thing you said about don't go to law school, if you're not interested, if you're not super into the law, I can also see, and, and I'm, I don't want, this is not legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. Um, <laughs> I could also see people who are like, man, being a lawyer, that sounds cool. Like the title and like the thing, but it's like, it, it strikes me that like, if you're not, if you're not into it and, you, and especially you're not into it for the right reason, you could burn out real quickly and be like, well, this is a lot of work for something that I was just doing for what could be a nice paycheck and a cool title and, and invites to, to fancy parties. Like, yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if, if that kind of, um, identifying the reasoning behind you're doing it, especially in a field like yours is, is, is extra important. I would say. Yeah, I would definitely say so. And now let me say this going to, Law school was like going to Ryla. So 
you are going to be put around the best of the best. And you have to figure out who you are amongst the people who are literally at the top of their game. So that was tough because you had to realize, oh, well, you know, I'm not really good at this, but somebody else over here is amazing at that. But this is my strong suit. This is what I'm good at. Because um, one thing about Texas Southern at Thurgood, um, which is our law school's name, um, we they everything is graded on a curve. So mm-hmm. suppose if you know everyone in the class makes between 100 and 90 on a test, which rarely happens. But if somebody was to do that in law school, there can only be so many A's, there can only be so many B's, C's, D's, and F's. So they have to do it based on that curve. So if everybody's good, then you know. That one point is the difference between you passing and failing a class. So it was super tough because we everything was very competitive. So I had to learn how to survive. And one of the things they told us straight up from the first day in law school, a lot of our professors were that look to your right, look to your left. By the end of this year, half of those people will not be back. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, wow, okay. And then the next piece was, the people, the way that they act during law school will be the type of attorney that they are when they practice. So watch out and see what people do here, because when they get into the legal field, they will do the exact same thing. So um, to be candid, I saw people um, study with people and give them the wrong outlines um, so they would have wrong information. I'm telling you, I saw crazy stuff that people would do to get ahead of someone. I had a hard time there because I try to be a good person. I am very big about treat people the way that you want to be treated, respect. I literally have core values for myself and my business, loyalty, honor, respect, honesty, and humility. That's how I run my life and my business. If you can't do that, honestly, we can't be friends and we cannot do business together. So I had to decide what type of person do I want to be in my career because I could do all of these things to get ahead right now and get that extra boost, but is it worth it to who I am and to my character? And I said, no. So I took a lot of hits in law school, but I got through it because I knew that sacrificing the grades, this and the third right now, I still had the knowledge because at the end of the day, you pass the bar, I'm still an attorney, (laughs) I'm still licensed. Mm -hmm. So I had to make sure to learn how to play the game. And that was the same thing we had to do at Ryla. You had to figure out, Who's good at what? You had to figure out how to play the game. You had to figure out who should stand, um, step up at this moment and when should you be quiet and just sit back and listen. And then also, what are you going to do when you need to step up, but there's a shortcut available? Do you do the quick thing or do you do the right thing? Uh, I think that's awesome. I think that's that's really inspiring, especially, you know, just having, you know, a man's got to have a code, so to yes. speak, as, a, as, as, as somebody once said. Um, all right. Now I'm also interested because you and I share something with our, our Ryla journeys, which is that, um, uh, we took some time off before returning to camp. Uh, this, this, this past year, 2022, that was your first time back at camp since, uh, 2004. So actually you and I actually met before you just didn't remember me. That's why when I introduced myself at camp this year, you're like, who is this random dude talking to me? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, because here's the thing, if if we're, if we're just going to, because I remember your sister, yeah, and I was um, an a, an AC um, an ACA the year my sister was a camper. No, take right. that back. 
I was an AC that year. I was assigned to a cabin that year. So I was an AC when my sister was a camper because Embers are you behind me. Yep. Right. Okay. Um, so this was your first time back at camp since 2004. Yeah. Um, I am interested in your 2022 camp experience because I want to see how much it mirrors uh, my my experience when I came back to camp. I will say it was one of the greatest honors of my life to come back to camp this year. And I am so glad that Paul and Katie reached out to me. Um, I woke up one morning, gosh, it was essentially two or three weeks before camp started. Mm -hmm. And I got two messages from uh, Katie Huber and from Paul Murray. And they said, hey, how are you? And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, if Paul and Katie are both reaching out to me, (laughs) Ryla's going on. And I was like, okay, hi, you know, how are you? They're like, oh, hey. We wanted to see if you would be interested in stepping in and stepping up and coming back to camp this year as a counselor. Mm-hmm. Funny thing is that I had been contemplating it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Every time I would uh, look at the website, fill out the app, get ready to fill out the application, always talk myself out of it. I'm too busy. I don't have time to do this. You know, um, I have two French Bulldogs. Who's going to watch Gian Jackson? I always made an excuse. And they both said, no, I, we think you need to come back. Your name's been brought up multiple times. I think it's time for you to come back to camp. So um, I sat down literally at the desk I'm at right now. And I said, let me think about it and see what I can figure out. And I told them, if I can get someone to dog sit, I'll come. So um, I reached out to a friend. Hey, can you watch the pups? He was like, of course. Yeah. And I was like, oh, gosh, I guess I'm going to camp. Like, all right, I got to figure this out. So um, I told him I would come. Um, I got to work. I had two weeks to essentially do stuff that everyone had the had the entire year ahead of time to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, put together, you know, designing a cabin, uh, the theme, meeting my AC, figuring out who my campers were, getting everything on board. But like I said, I am glad that I did it. It was time for me to come back to camp. And it forced me out of my comfort zone yet again. Here's the same thing. I had to stop being comfortable and take a chance. And I will say, I'm glad I came back now and I did not do it. I would say maybe five or 10 years ago, because I feel like I was able to contribute so much more Mm -hmm. because I've gone through so much more. I have so much more wisdom and I understand how to step back, let people develop and then help them develop. I don't need to do the thing like I, I told them, I told my camper straight up um, cabin two. this is not my camper year because they would ask me questions. I was like, I'm not a camper. This is your year. You need to figure it out. And at first they were a little offended. And then they kind of, once everything kind of clicked for them, they were like, well, no, he's right. This is about us. We need to figure out how to do things. And I told my AC, Matt, you know, I'm the coach, you're the team captain, and this is our team. I will coach and step in when I need to, but I'm going to let you guys figure it out. And if you can, I'll give you hints, but I'm not going to do it. But to watch that change throughout the week and then see all of these different skill sets and then to watch them fail, that was the best experience because I remember all of those experiences and those feelings and the frustration of like, why can't we figure this out? And then you've got all these cooks in the kitchen, all these chefs trying to throw in their recipe and their skill set, and they still can't do it. Until they just take a moment to step back and just realize, slow down, and then let's all work together instead of everyone trying to be the leader. So yeah, me coming back now, it was the right time because I was able to give back 
to Ryla in a substantial way where I feel like it has impacted the lives of others in a greater fashion. That is, uh, I'm so glad you said that because uh, like that was, that's, that's really similar to mine and, and the idea of like, I'm glad I came back when I did. Cause that was, that was one thing I've, I, I kind of battled with was like, when I came back, it was like, I can either dwell on all the time that I missed or I can find the positives in it. And I do think that, yeah, I'm, I'm a much more, um, I'm much more valuable to camp as I am now than I would have been maybe 10 years ago. And I, maybe that's not true. Maybe time would have, you know, it would have accumulated more value, but like, yep. I know, I know I, I have to, I have to believe that, that, that I am, I'm as valuable as I've ever been to camp now because yes. of what I've been through. So that, that same thing, I, like you said that I'm just sitting here nodding, like, uh huh, I feel like exact same thing. And then I will also say too, um, one of the reasons why I left camp was because I told them I, um, back in 2004 when I came back as a, a staff member is that I felt like I did not have a place. And mm-hmm. it was hard for me, especially as someone who had their life always laid out for them in front of them planned for so many years. So that was the beginning of me trying to figure out who am I? So mm-hmm. I want to make sure all the campers, all the alum listening to this, it's okay to feel like you don't have a place right now, that doesn't mean that down the line you won't. So you probably need to go through something. You need to have some type of experience. You need to learn something so that when you do, if you do step away, it's okay. You're still a part of the family. So when you come back, it's so much greater. So I'm glad that I did it because like I said, me coming back at this time, I felt like it was right. Okay, let's get to the main event. Let's talk about the body painting. Uh, your in- <laughs> your Instagram is one of the most interesting things. And like my wife has caught me like flipping through your Instagram before. And she, uh, her reaction is like, what is that? Yeah. Like <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. How'd you get into it? And like, like, oh, just it's like, I want to know everything basically about this part of your life because it is fascinating to me. Alrighty. So I will say the time early on. So let me take it back. Law school, super stressful. How do I balance it out? I was into photography. So um, I will remember this. I remember this moment exactly. Um, November of 2003. No, take that back. Seven. I walked into Best Buy in Houston and I bought my first DSLR camera, a Canon Rebel, because I was like, I'm just going to learn how to take pictures. So everything that you see on my Instagram, I'm all self-taught. I just figured it out. So um, I did a study abroad that year after my first year of law school. Um, We went to London. So I lived in London for three months and then every weekend we went to a different country. So I took my camera all through Europe and just took pictures. Like I fell in love with it, learned how to use it like had an amazing time, um, had some of my work published in the American Bar um, Association student um, journal. So I had my photography published then for my trip. So um, I would say started to practice law, really got really heavily focused in my career and not really focusing on my creative side to the point of where it burnt me out. I did not realize how evenly right and left-brained I was and they complement each other Most people are either one or the other. I am a mixture of both. And I have to have each working for me to be in balance. Mm -hmm. So um, 
you know, for the longest time, I went through a, I will say a dark time in my life dealing with anxiety, depression. And um, I will say my French Bulldogs and also my art is what brought me to the other side. And um, my art was my way of telling my story without being interrupted, without being told that I was wrong and not being told I needed to shut up and stay in my place. It was my chance to speak unapologetically and to fully be myself without any reservations. So um, back in 2014, Gosh, we're talking 2017 after um, that dark period. One of my good friends, she reached out to me, Yensina, and she said, your photography is nice, but you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, keep going. You need to try new stuff, but you're not doing what you should be doing. And I was like, yeah, I'm right. I'm frustrated because my work looks like everyone else's. And it's just like, I don't want to be taking family photos and all this stuff. Like, like there's amazing people who do that, to do that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I knew that was not my calling. So I was getting frustrated with myself because I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And um, to the point of where I got so frustrated one day, I was three months later, I walked into Michael's, bought some paint and just literally start throwing paint on people. And <laughs> then um, I, there's a couple things I need to add with that. After I start throwing paint on people, <laughs> essentially, and taking with the- consent, we should be clear. Yes, right, yeah, <laughs> you're not just walking up to dudes on the street like, and you're just people. like, "Hey, man, yeah. splash." <laughs> um, I was so scared for ten. No, yeah, ten years. I was a natural light photographer, so I did not do studio lighting at all. I thought it was super complicated. I could not figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not want to go near it. So I mastered shadows, this, that, and the third. I knew exactly how to do everything natural light. One day, I, yet again, stepped out of my comfort zone. I rented a photo studio in Richardson, and I fell in love with studio photography. And the work that I did, people were just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. How long have you been doing this? And I was like, this was my first shoot. And they were like, no way. I was like, yeah. So I um, started looking for my own equipment because I was like, all right, I need to start doing this. So um, at that time, super broke, you know, just out of law school type of young attorney. I was like, I can't afford $300 per strobe light. Like I need multiple. I can't tripods and backgrounds. I can't do any of this stuff. And I want everyone who's listening right now, I want you to really pay attention to this piece of the story because this is what confirmed exactly for me, I was on the right path and doing what I was supposed to be doing. So I was at work um, practicing law on a Saturday. We had a deadline. So I had to go into the office, downtown Dallas. And um, I was, you know, as many people do on my phone while I'm working and I'm searching because I became obsessed. I was like, I have got to find this photography equipment. Made a mistake and spelled photography or equipment. I spelled one of the words wrong. And it actually hit on a post on Facebook Marketplace. And I was like, what is this? These two random gray totes. And it says photography equipment, which was spelled wrong, $100. And I was like, no way. So I messaged (laughs) the lady and I was like, hey, um, I'm interested in this, but do you know if there's any strobe lights in in there? And she was like, I have no idea what those are. I said, okay, cool. Would you mind opening up the totes, pulling over what's out and taking a couple pictures of the stuff for me? And she was like, sure. 
She opens up the tote, sends me the photos. There are six Alien B strobe lights in there. Oh my God. So I'm like, are you kidding me right now? So I tell you, the people in my office that Saturday, I packed up my stuff. I said, I got to go. And they were like, are you okay? Is, some, is there an emergency? Somebody in an accident? I was like, I got to go. I'll see you Monday. I got to go. This is one of those opportunities. If I miss it, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I will never forgive myself. And they were like, okay. I get into my truck. This lady is like in Watauga. So she's north of Fort Worth and I'm on the road. I'm going 90 miles an hour in my truck. My heart is beating through my chest. I finally get there about 45 minutes later. I'm out of breath and I'm like, I'm here. And she's like, calm down, breathe. I want you to know that as soon as you told me you were coming, I marked it as sold. I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Because as you know, on Craigslist or anything, or Mm -hmm. any of these resale apps, if it's like first come, first serve. So they'll have like 20 people coming from one item. And I've had stuff bought from underneath me. And I was like, I can't have this happen. So the lady tells me this. She goes, I want you to understand what I'm doing and why. She says, my dad passed away in 2014. He was a traveling photographer. So um, he used to um, take pictures at the Shriners Club, at daycares, this, that, and the third. I've had his equipment for a couple of years. I have not had the, I wasn't ready to get rid of it. But she says, I finally posted it. And I knew that the person who was supposed to have this equipment is supposed to do something amazing and change this world with it. You're that person. Mm. so this is five thousand dollars worth of photo equipment i'm giving you for a hundred dollars because i want to help start your career and i know that you're going to do an amazing things wow to the point of where i'm like they're crying because i was like oh my gosh is this really happening she goes you're supposed to do something great a few months later i start painting people taking pictures 10 years i go back i was telling you guys about earlier i did not compete at the state fair texas the State mm-hmm. Fair of Texas for photography, if you do not win, they send you a nice letter or email saying, come pick up your work. It will not be displayed. We only show winners. Mm-hmm. So I was intimidated. I was not ready. So I entered nine pieces in 2017, got a letter back, and I see everything listed. I was like, yep, I failed, except for one piece was missing. I was like, huh, that's odd. Not only did I win first place, I won best of show of every photographer, professional photographer, and every person who teaches photography in the state of Texas. My first time competing and the first piece of body art that I did. The next year, I won two first places and best of show again. And then last year in 2021, I won first place again. And I just dropped my pieces off last week for this year's show. Dynasty. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible that's that's amazing because i i'll be honest like that story of like you know it's, it's like photography equipment a hundred bucks and you're like oh man there's five thousand dollars my initial thought was like oh this just this is somebody who just doesn't know what they have like yep. they just don't know what they have but exactly. it's very it's it very clear she knew exactly what she had and she had a plan for it yes so that is that's pretty amazing well that's it's, I, I, I to this day that's amazing. Well, I, I I certainly recommend everybody. Wait, what's your Instagram? Tell me your Instagram again. Uh, Justin O'Keefe Creative. Okay, you need to follow that. And your wife might look at you weird and be like, "Why is why why are you looking at at at, at people painted?" And I'm like, "Trust me, it's art." Um, okay, uh, Justin O'Keefe Higgs. One last question for you. Uh, we give you the floor. If there's something you want to plug, something you want people to know about. Um, something you are, you are passionate about right now and you want more people to know about it. The floor is yours. Wow. 
What a question. Okay. No pressure. <laughs> so I am a really interesting person who takes life. I live life from the experiences. I want to know what this world has to offer. So I will definitely say, pe- tell people to follow my social media. Um, um, it's not for everyone because I, I live life in a different fashion where I will create things and tell my story. I am a visual mm-hmm. storyteller. So um, within the uh, two weeks, I'm actually heading back to New York to create some art and then going over to Jersey for Labor Day. Um, the pups and I are here in Fort Worth until next summer. I was actually um, contemplating getting another degree, going to Harvard next year. But then a very wise lady spoke to me and said, you need to start following your passion and stop living your life for other people and doing the things that they want you to do. Mm-hmm. So I am yet again, Ryla, this summer changed me in a way where I feel like I am finally ready. And the pups and I will be moving up to New York City, um, June of 2023. So looking to serve as a counselor again next summer. And then as soon as camp is over, we will pack up and then we will be out leaving Texas. So um, I've had an amazing time here. I grew up here, you know, Mav Maniac. I've danced. I've taught Zumba, Body Pump. I've done all these crazy things. But it's time for me to step into the next phase and chapter of my life where I want to work with, you know, these amazing fashion houses, designers, you know, cologne brands, everything, and get to tell my story and get paid good money to do it. So that's what's happening with me. That's pretty remarkable. I will second his uh, following him on social media. It is uh, it is uh, very, very, it is absolutely worth it. It is, it is the most interesting uh, account that I follow on Instagram. Justin O'Keefe Higgs, my man, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks once again to Justin O'Keefe Higgs for being our guest on this episode of the Ryla Cast. Well, Josie's not here to do the second segment, so I guess I'll just do this segment too. And I want to talk a little bit about anger. Uh, and, and that's going to be a little bit strange, I know, but but I had a situation rise up at work this week that, I, that I'd like to, to talk through a little bit, and this is my podcast, I guess, for this week, so I guess you can't really stop me. Um, this is, um, so uh, there was a situation this week that, um, essentially, I won't get into the details, but uh, somebody that I work with closely, um, you know, they said something to me, uh, and, and it made me really angry. It made me really, really angry. And obviously, this is somebody that I have to work with. I have to work pretty closely with. But I, man, I kept feeling this. Uh, she said something to me, and and it made me incandescently angry. I mean, furious. It's been a long time since I was really that angry. And in, in, and in a leadership position, even with just colleagues, right, even with people who are your equal, you know, you have to get along with, with these people, and it's important to, to, to maintain those types of good leadership skills uh, in a situation like that. And so I, I really tried to sit down and I tried to process exactly why I was feeling so angry. Um, and I think one thing that I've, I've, I've thought about recently, especially with regards to the way that it works with leadership, because and, 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 I think anger doesn't go a long way in leadership. I think that that's a, that is a negative emotion, uh, all told, and it's not going to go, it's not going to help you get where you need to go or accomplish the things that you do. But it's, I think it's also easy. I think we, we've, people see that at camp, 
people see that in all of our situations. Anger is going to rise up. It's going to be something that you experience, but it's not productive. And so I think it's really important, I found, to quickly diagnose where the anger is coming from and why you're so angry and how you can move past it. And, and I, I read something this week that I think is really important, and it was essentially uh, that anger is not a primary emotion. Anger is not something that you feel right out of the gate. Anger is a secondary emotion. It's something that you feel after you feel something else. You feel something else, and then you feel the anger as a result of that. Maybe you're angry because you're scared. Maybe you're angry because you're lonely. Maybe you're angry because you are, um, uh, I don't know, sad, something like that, right? There's a primary emotion attached to it, and the secondary emotion that comes from it is anger. Nobody just gets to anger right away. And so uh, in, in, in my particular story, what I, what I started realizing was that the thing that my colleague told me, uh, it hurt me. It, it, it ultimately it, it made me feel bad. It hurt me. And so my anger was not that I was angry at her. My anger was that I was hurt by her. I felt hurt by her, by her comment. And so I discussed that with her and, and, and we've, we've come to a re- resolution, but I think it was important for me to process those feelings before we were in, able to enter into some, in some sort of conflict resolution. Can't go in all hot. You know what I mean? You can't go in there uh, feeling that way and, and ultimately expect any sort of positive outcome. Um, but that was one thing that I really, I really thought about this week was about how anger is, is a secondary emotion. It's not something that you jump to right away. It's something that you have to get to via another emotion. And so the next time you're in a situation, I would, I, I would encourage you next time you're in a situation where you've got anger rising up, I would encourage you to, to step back and, and, and kind of ask the question, well, why am I angry? Don't just say I'm angry because I'm angry. I'm angry because this happened. What is it about that thing that happened uh, that gave you the primary emotion that led to that anger? And I think that that's going to be a way for, for uh, that, at least for me, helps me to negotiate emotional pathways in a way that can, can ultimately lead to more productive conversations. So that's just me, though. And what do I know? Okay, we did it. Look at that. Solo podcast here on the RylaCast. Uh, Josie, we miss you desperately. Please come back next time. Our thanks once again to Justin O'Keefe Hicks for being our guest here on the RylaCast. Uh, please tell your friends about this. Rate, subscribe, um, do the thing. Uh, I'm supposed to give you some sort of antiquated way to tell people about the RylaCast. Um, what I would do is uh, buy an advertisement in a newspaper that is, or, or some sort of print media that is sadly antiquated. Um, so please do it, though. Buy an advertisement and say, hey, listen to the RylaCast on the podcast vendor of your choice. Uh, but that's going to do it for us. Thanks again to Justin O'Keefe Hicks for being our guest. And we will see you next time, hopefully with Josie, running too wide here on the RylaCast.